0: Welcome to TA1, Uh everything you wanted to Uh know about adventure racing and then some. Uh I'm your host, legendary Uh Randy Erickson, with the Uh legendary Jimmy Lee sitting here, helping Uh out, so to speak. Uh Yeah, you think you're funny, don't you? Anyway, this week is Fletcher Hamill, and this is kind of Uh the start of some Primal Quest team podcast, so to speak. Uh Yeah try to um I'm going to Primal quest that's the big news very bleed the there but anyway and I've been recording some of these beforehand <coughs> anyway yes we know um, try to talk to as many of the teams somebody on the teams as we a kin have done done that too with uh, cowboy <laughs> Tough, so we'll kind of do it maybe back and forth not to mention whatever else is going on in the world so. If uh, maybe I don't know you, heaven forbid, and you're going to Cowboy Tough and or Primal Quest and you're halfway interesting, at least as interesting as me and Jimmy are, um, let me know. Maybe we will chat and make me more famous. So, uh, not much else going on. 121 days as this is posted to the cowboy tough yeah you think you're funny so um oh the other big news is uh not adventure race news whatsoever although I'm finding out it kind of is um yeah you're a good singer yes you're a good singer um I'm going to the Baja 1000 in November with the uh Crossfire, off-road, nemesis, trophy truck team. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. 1,400 miles down the uh, Baja Peninsula. So there may be an episode or two on uh, trophy truck racing in Mexico. Um, there's a few crossovers. It's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work to show up, and it almost gets easier at the start line. And logistics and pits and... Um, I'm finding there is some maybe you can get some uh, knowledge out of it if I talk to Mike uh, Mike Palmer the driver of the 57 truck so that's it I'm going to get this done so Paulette can come into the office slash studio and uh, get some work done and uh, go fast take chances and enjoy the episode thanks for listening Andy. Hey, how are you?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you? Sorry about uh, the delay.
0: Well, that's not a problem. Although it is kind of funny that it I think I've said this before, but it's people in the mountain time zone my own where I am that seems like we have the hardest time hooking up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, I think cuz it it should be easy, right? So why do why worry? But no problems. I'm just uh, been working, so it's all good. Great. Yeah, so
1: well, that's what I've been doing. So (laughs) yeah,
0: that's uh, you know, we should be independently wealthy, right?
1: Yeah, the effort—an A for effort, (laughs) Andy.
0: Exactly. So I wonder where I'm trying to decide where. Why are you going back to Primal Quest?
1: Oh, well, (laughs) to me, that race was kind of the paramount to my racing career so far. Um, And the race itself, the organization, the directors, the volunteer uh, base and the execution were just so on point Mm -hmm. that I didn't want to give up another opportunity to, um, experience that again. And, um, you know, that coupled with, um, I just, I really find true kind of joy in a type two pain kind of way in these long, super long events, these expeditions that are, um, guaranteed six plus day for winning times. Um, and and to be honest, uh, the the last kind of uh, part of that equation for me is uh, my first expedition race was uh, Raid the North Extreme up in the Kootenays in BC, and I know this area is going to be slightly different than that. Um, but there's some unfinished business <laughs> with BC, not only because it's beautiful, but because uh, that race destroyed me, and I want to go back and um, see what where i've where I've come from and and what I can accomplish now, given that stretch of time. So yeah. well,
0: that's that's, cool.
1: that's the main reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll come back to that to the rate of the North. But I mean, it, it says something. It says a lot for you know Maria and the crew of the race because you guys. Didn't have the smoothest race. Let I was going to say last year, but now it's actually like not last year. It was the year before, but but it still is enough to bring you back. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, they, we had some issues environmentally in terms of stuff out of our control. Yeah. Olaf's illness to start the race. Uh, me going into a severe bonked. Stage During the longest bike ride I mean stuff that's not Necessarily Not par for the course But uh, we definitely didn't have A smooth race mm. um, But I think just the fact That we were able to within the last 24-36 hours of that race Gain Massive control over that, that Third place spot And move forward um, Is a testament to If conditions had gone better for us how much closer or how shorter the gap would have been between the two leading teams and ourselves. So, um, you know, I think with the right conditions, uh, having that quote-unquote perfect race that everyone dreams of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we stand as good a chance as anyone um, out there. So, you know, that being said, they did release the team list, and Mm -hmm. this is a much larger and um, more qualified if I can use that word, um, a deeper field of athletes and experienced teams this time around. So that's exciting.
0: It is. That was the thing that I looked at. um, When you saw the team list, were you surprised at the number of teams? And who was the biggest surprise for you on the list for teams? And and part of this is because I I don't want to call this a series, but I want to spend, you know, the next few months talking to a bunch of bunch of the teams that are racing so i want to kind of you know focus on that a little bit and then we're then we're going to go back into your closet and <laughs> dig up some secrets
1: <laughs> okay good <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean there there was impressive names i'm not surprised at all to have, see god back on the list mm-hmm. as well as bones um those were not unexpected uh in terms of a uh, big surprise only because it wasn't on their calendar and Kyle had mentioned that he probably wasn't going to entertain doing that and worlds, um, seeing adventure medical kits on there was mm-hmm. obviously a big surprise and, and seeing how Godzone has been playing out this week. I'm sure that there is, um, some incentive to prove, um, top of the spot again for them. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's some good names out there, both, uh, individual captains listed and, um, and as well as some teams, some noted teams, um, you know, Bruno Rey out of France, um, and, um, who else comes to mind? But anyway, yeah. there's just a solid, solid amount of teams. I'm actually surprised how many from the U.S. are showing up, uh, and how little from Canada at this point, but it's good to see, you know, um, painted wolves on there—that's going to be a big deal. Um, yeah. uh, and then, you know, from Ireland, from New Zealand, it, it, it's good to see an actual international field showing up um, to this uh, round. So,
0: yeah. Well, I think that's really important. I think the one thing that sort of surprises me is there's a fair amount of teams on there with people that team captains that it's like, who are they? <laughs> Who's this team? <laughs> you know, you, you kind know, of you think, well, this is a, a small sport. We should know everybody. And then there's like, I don't know, eight or ten teams on there. that I'm like, well, maybe I know somebody, but I don't know the team captain. So that's kind of right. exciting.
1: It is. It is. It's exciting to see uh, Nortel back on there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Tim leading that again as well. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that battle ensues.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we got uh, Soggy Bottom Boys, who, um, mm-hmm. if for people that aren't aren't aware, they they've got the uh, spirit of of uh, com- I don't even know what to call the award from from uh, two years ago, but they were giving up their bikes and building bikes for people and just a yeah, good bunch so. of people
1: that's team uh, Tasha's team yep. right, right, yeah. bottom or whatever. Yeah. Soggy um, bottom
0: boys. So.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see because Tosh has really upped his game in terms of international racing. In mm-hmm. fact, he's over at Godzone as well right now. So yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see his, the makeup of his team this year and, and what his goals are, but definitely I love competing with people that, have that kind of personality and attitude that yeah. it's competitive, but it's also a coming together of like minds and spirits in this type of environment. So,
0: yeah, of course. Then you got that that guy that nobody wants to see at a race, JD, <laughs> <laughs> who will probably be with you forty want fifty to see him
1: after the race, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I have to go. I have to see him during the race so we can have a meal together. But <laughs> so, put yeah. uh, that streak. <laughs> yeah and then the one that probably nobody knows but's a friend of mine is is um <clears throat> alex alex flyn who is uh-huh. was tried two years ago um alex has m s and has done some incredible things um not only you know in in doing physical things and you know did a run, bike, swim, hike, basically across the U.S. a few years ago, but uh, just was in Norway hiking above the Arctic Circle. And so, That's um,
1: amazing. And if, I, if I'm remembering correctly from his initial uh, application last, last go-around, he was trying to recruit or is in the process of recruiting some really well-known uh, – adventure racers even some from the old guard yeah if you will um so it'd be exciting to see if he could accomplish that and bring some some of the big recognizable namestays back into it even if it's for more of a a charity uh cause because yeah. it's just going to bring more marketing and attention to this race and the sport so
0: yeah uh, maybe alex should uh, just like go to the AR Hall of Fame and grab a few guys out of that, huh?
1: (laughs) No one retires out of this sport.
0: (laughs) No, no, they just, uh, well, look at the uh, Painted Wolf with the Collins Brothers. 11 years out of racing in their back. And had a great, great uh, race at Worlds and, you know, now here they're coming to Primal Quest, so that's pretty cool. So, Tell us, I know, but tell everybody else who you're racing with. The plan is.
1: All right. Um, so the team makeup this go around is um, Ian hoag um, is joining me, and he and I have been racing the last three years um, pretty substantially together. Other than my stint uh, at the last Primal Quest, um, he and I have been on team together, and I usually. Captained and provided a, a general amount of uh, uh, navigational backup, but basic mm-hmm. uh, race strategy and decision making. And he's done the heavy lifting and the map work. So he and I have become kind of inseparable and work really well together. And then um, a lucky find that we got last year and have helped develop is Melissa Miller. And um, she's really grown quickly um from our first race in june of last year to helping us um secure second place in the nars championship um you know only to columbia um so Mm. we gave we scared the number two team in the world um around that course leapfrogging back and forth so and that was with a major injury that she was uh hobbled with going into the race and she ended up having to have uh Uh, a little bit of surgery and rehab on a torn Achilles. So, um, I think with a fresh, um, recovered team, um, we're good to go. My brother was part of that, that crew that took second place and he's opted out of racing. Um, but we were able to secure, uh, a local friend, uh, ultra runner and uh chiropractor around here. That's, uh, got some roots and, and, uh, adventure and sport. And, um, so Steve Frogley is going to be joining us, um, and just brings a wealth of strength on foot. Um, and, um, and, and he's known around the the local circle, the, the ultra running club and, and such that he'll, his ability to provide a certain amount of quote unquote healing, um, on course, um, to athletes, that he's either running with or if he's um, participating in more of a supportive role at a race, um, being able to keep them going for those miles and miles and miles at a time. So he's kind of our secret weapon in mm-hmm. keeping us moving efficiently. And, um, you know, but he's also the wild card because he doesn't do a ton of biking. So we're bringing him up to speed in that um, discipline. So yeah. it's exciting.
0: Sounds like a strong team. Yeah. Um, so what is your guys' schedule, um, like training-wise, racing-wise? Are you guys going to be able to get together a few times, or how do you think it's going to work out for you? Well, that's,
1: the, that's the nice thing about this, uh, this team makeup. is three of us are um, local to the area. Uh, Ian and I are both in Salt Lake, and, and uh, Steve is up in Heber. And Melissa is not too far away, and her, her kind of flexible work schedule allows us to get together you know, once a month or so, um, to do some training. So she's in Fruta, and so we're doing a big training weekend here at the end of the next, this coming month, on uh, March, uh, to kick things off and to really sort of gauge and set a milestone. And then a lot of independent training, a lot of get togethers on runs and dialogue about pre-race strategy and different things we can do to sort of bring Melissa and Steve up to speed on, Expedition racing and the preparation for that. Um, in terms of races, uh, I know that Steve's joining um, Melissa and Ian for a quick like twelve-hour in Moab at the in April, I believe. And then we're doing um, Journey Racing's production of the Nomad Forty-eight Hour as kind of our mid-season um, tune-up or uh, again milestone. So we're just sort of setting. Uh, regular benchmarks for the team and to work through uh, dynamic issues and and uh, fine tuning, put it that yeah. way.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's nice that you can get together. And I and I I think I know the answer to this maybe because I'm sometimes not as dumb as I look. But are those training when you get together more a mental? psychological thing than than actual physical training
1: um it's a combination uh
2: mm-hmm.
1: we've done team trainings in the past this this will be our third time to Fruta as a early season mm-hmm. activity um so it's been a local haunt for the the larger team journey uh club mm-hmm. and uh so in this case, um, we, we've offered it up to anybody on the team um, that's a, available and wanting it, but it's specifically for getting the the Primal Quest crew together. So it'll be a nice kind of uh, a mental, emotional connection. But you know, last time around we we did a 19 mile canyon run and we paddled for six hours and then we spent I don't know uh, six to eight hours biking. So and, and mixed in some media time, photography, and, and video work for the team. Um, so it's a mix. It's probably not as hard as a racing time frame, but in terms of um, a good time out uh, on the saddle or on your feet, um, distance and time-wise, it's more than your everyday um, hour or whatever you can squeeze in, hour or two. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're covering everything. Just yeah. You know. We're
1: covering everything. It, it is. It
0: is really training. It's not, not uh, Rick, rookie hazing so much. <laughs>
1: true. True. <laughs> and, I mean, we in terms of this race with yeah. the alluding and even I guess explicit uh, descriptions now to a degree of the mountaineering section um, and and the, the extensive paddling. Um, in terms of even ocean kayaking, we just want to make sure we cover those kind of skill sets. So we'll have days where, um, and thankfully there's been so much, you know, snowpack this year, um, we'll be able to get up high enough in the Wasatch to do some, you know, practice self-arresting, uh, and get on our, our crampons, uh, do some um just spend some time in the mountains getting mm-hmm. comfortable moving up and down quickly and safely with those sort of gear aspects that don't typically fall into a lot of, uh, adventure racing, even the expeditions as much these days. So yeah. um, just cover some of those more peripheral skills. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So just a couple more on, on, on Primal Quest and then, and then we go to the closet, but, what are what are you really hoping to be to get to do at the race
1: um i you know to me the mountaineering stage is probably the most intriguing and yeah. in, in terms of like glacial travel and uh, time above tree line um, I've watched all these old <laughs> eco challenge and and other um old guard uh productions and uh you know traveling you know that high above sea level and those types of extreme conditions where there's an actual aspect of adventure and a sense of lack of safety um that that is enticing to me um mm. and uh and but in terms of what I feel our strengths are with you know. Between Ian and myself, the the level of navigation that we bring to this team, and our ability to move relatively quickly through dense um, growth. I mean, both of us are more uh, Midwest and East Coast. Um, that's where we got our start. So, in terms of dense foliage and bushwhacking, um, we feel pretty capable in that avenue. So. Um, you know, I've pre-warned my teammates all about the fun of Devil's Club and Slide Elder um, <laughs> and that being an even more complicated version of uh, moving through the rough, moving through the bush. But um, I think we do it really well, and I'm excited to see how that plays out.
0: Okay. So you, so you just you just want to get to the hard part. Uh, yeah. that's <laughs> where we're,
1: we're really good at suffering, Randy. So um, that's it.
0: That helps a lot. Our strength. If
1: all teams go slow, then we have an advantage. Mm-hmm. If the course is super open and fast, we'd probably uh, fall for, further down the, the stack, if you will.
0: Well, that's that's an interesting um, insight to know to know your strengths like that. So you just really want just a really hard, old-school adventure race.
1: That's right.
0: <laughs> as opposed to uh, a race adventure. I mean.
1: Well, I mean, the, we are sending a squ- journey of sending a squad to worlds, and both Ian and I considered it because of the proximity um, and even considered sending a second team if we were able to get signed up in time or dividing up and joining other teams. But, I mean, the two of us could probably survive getting on a speedier race like that. Mm-hmm. Um But in terms of between ourselves and Melissa, we just know where our strength is, and that's why we kept Columbia on their toes last fall is we were just so consistent and so clean on nav that every time they'd sprint off like rabbits, we would just make our way back into the race um, by way of their error and our precision. So if we can continue to, to play to those strengths, I think that'll be great in a race like
0: this. So. Oh, it's very, I mean, it's very interesting. And a lot of people m- maybe wouldn't admit that, but yeah, why wouldn't you go to a race where you're going to be strong? So kudos to you. Yeah. You probably didn't think you are going to hear the word kudos today, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't
1: had one of those in a
0: while. <laughs> so, um, Since you mentioned some of the, old-school eco, you know, early Primal Quest days. I, I like this question, and a lot of people don't have an answer, but kind of two-part, is there one of those old races that you would love to, you know, get in the time machine and go do? And is there a team that you would like to either race with or, you know, go ahead head against back in the day?
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. Um. Goodness, that's that's tough. (laughs) I mean, that's why I get the big bucks. (laughs) I would say that, and this goes even for now. the The race that I would prefer to do is the old Discovery uh, Eco, (laughs) but the New Zealand version of that, and but. To the same degree uh, god zone and new zealand now is still on my bucket list of yeah. expeditions to participate with but um you know in terms of being a fly on a shoulder or competing with or against um the old uh john howard in his heyday of being just a master strategist and basically bringing up uh, Ian Adamson and, and that whole entire crew from that generation, um, and, and teaching them through working with them and the experience there. That I mean, that that would have been invaluable and and so kind of exciting to be part of that core.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'll accept that as a good answer. <laughs> so, I. I've said it before. John Howard is one, you know, kind of one of my bucket lists for the podcast. And I've spent a lot of time, and I don't think he's ever going to happen, but hey, I gave it a shot. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, those old school guys, I, I'm not going to say they were harder, but I think they might have been a little bit harder.
1: <laughs> Let's just say hardier. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's they're, a good they're word. Just, yeah. They're willing to do what it took.
0: (laughs) Well, exactly. And, and, and be the first one to do what it took. I don't know
1: how they would compete in today's types of races where they are so much more, there's so much more speed and everything else involved in, in the equation in most races. Um, But again, that's where I default to. I prefer the races that are more indicative of the old school. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) They wouldn't be at Cowboy Tough. They'd be at Primal Quest. Exactly. (laughs) So, talking of old school, I was trying to think today where we met. And it's kind of one of those things that's been so long that I don't even know when. So, you've just been around forever.
1: Uh, Well, I've been in and out of the sport at various degrees and ability levels for a long time, I guess, now. But uh, um, I can't pinpoint for sure I, i'm sure the, the the one that we spent the most exposure together at more recently was the the original nars championship or the nars championship north dakota where yeah. ian and i got our first race together with Denell. and there's a lot of good memories there and the experience of racing with Denell. i guess that's the closest i'm going to get to racing with the old garden and, and and what we were able to glean out of her and the way we approached that has really informed the way Ian and I race in terms of not going out so hard that you can't keep up, and you know, just measuring and racing your own race. So, um, yeah, I owe a lot to her and that experience there.
0: Well, that's interesting. That so, like, well, let, let's all right, let's work our way up there. Let's let's flash back now. <laughs> Where did you start at? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going way back. Um, so well, see if you ever listen little, to Mark. If you ever listen to little, Mark Maron's podcast, they'll be in the middle of you know this really cool story, and all of a sudden they will be like, "Oh, and what did your father do? And where did you grow up?" And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, what did I, your father do? And where did you grow up? Ah,
1: uh, my father was and still is a mason. Uh, so an own business and that's what I did to put myself through school. So lots of I learned the the appreciation for hard work early back mm-hmm. in the eastern Kansas area, Lawrence, Kansas to be specific. So and there was this little outfit at the time called Blue Hills Adventures, I believe. And they put on these little three to five hour "Quote unquote" <laughs> adventure races. I mean, they're more adventure race than say a mud run, but they were a little bit more kitschy than uh, you know a really hard eight to twelve or a twenty-four hour event. So it was a good kind of toe in the water, doing that that entry in with uh, family, with my brothers and and some close friends, and it, I just started to want to do more and try more and on and on and. Yeah. So I put together my first teams initially, and uh, and then was lucky enough to to team up with Chelsea and uh, join the, the Journey Racing crew after a number of years, and and race at a much higher level um, than than scabbing together any particular team for any particular race. So um, definitely an appreciative of that. So I moved three years ago from kansas and all that flat windy training um to salt lake and the the time in the mountains has been good for my athletic ability
0: (laughs) i I can see that as opposed as opposed to kansas but i'm going to go back a little bit just because i'm a little interested why was masonry so hard is that why you went to school or did you have a did you always want to go to school (laughs) And my reasoning is, is cause when I graduated high school and back then, you know, it was like, well, I'm going to do construction for six months and then go to school. And, uh, here I am <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing construction, which I love, but, well, um, yeah, well, which I, is a lot easier than ma- doing masonry all the time too. So I'll give you that.
1: Well, we'll, we'll put it this way. Like, uh, uh. For the longest time growing up I didn't want to do what my father did and I didn't want to work that hard and I ended up working that hard because it paid that well to put me through school only to learn that life is an interesting thing <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been bouncing back and forth in fact I took a, a year and a half sabbatical out of professional work where I do design and creative services and uh, went back into the field to do manual labor and ride twenty miles each direction to work and so that was where I started really upping my my own independent training and Then, when I was ready to make the leap, that's where we ended up in Salt Lake when I joined back into the professional workforce. But that being said, I still from time to time pull in not freelance design work but freelance masonry work as an excuse to go out there and Accomplish something to make something with my hands and physically work. So uh, it, it's ingrained; it's part yeah. of me now.
0: So, well, my grandfather was a mason, you know, small town mason. So, that I was mixing cement for him when I was eight years old. So, <laughs> we we huh? do have that in common. There you go. Oh, so, but um. <clears throat> so when did so when did you do raid to the north and was that the year that it was that year so to speak
1: you put it very politely there <laughs> yes it was that year yeah. and I'm trying to remember now because I associate that kind of stuff with the I'm using my child's my children's uh, births and yeah. <laughs> benchmarks for the timeframes. I don't know if yeah. that was 2009 or 2011, whichever case it is. Yeah,
0: whichever West, kid it was, huh?
1: The, the West Kootenays. Um So I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old that I was leaving behind for a week and a half. So there was some emotional uh, departure that uh, myself and family members weren't prepared for as well as just mm-hmm. the physical Uh, exhaustion level of a race of that style. And of course Mm. we were coupled with um, being the only non-mixed team. Uh, Our female at the time backed out um, within the six week or whatever it was window to pull out and Mm. not lose our deposit or our entry fee completely on the race. So we scrambled and scrambled and tried to find every available female teammate but we were an unknown quantity at that point all of us the racers on the team and um, couldn't recruit anybody at that last minute um, and uh, ended up racing one of the training partners for our Canadian teammate uh, ended up joining us so there's two Americans and two Canadians and we did our best to survive most of that race and um, I'm sure it was a turning point for a lot of us in a racing career but it was definitely the hook for me to keep doing the longer events
0: yeah and we don't need to get into it I'm, I, there's a couple episodes with I think some fair amount of talk about that race but how did you get hooked when it was kind of a, a shitstorm, storm so to speak uh, <laughs> I mean most people would be like no
1: never again right yeah <laughs> I don't. To me, it, I mean, it. There's a boundary that's pushed once you get beyond that 24, 48 hour mark, um, and even longer. These longer expeditions, where it really is a, a testament to your character and your soul of how you handle those kind of stresses and and everything that's complicated with sleep deprivation and not getting calories and everything else and you really have to dig deep into the well of what you thought you were capable of, not only physically, but emotionally. And to me, that's, I mean, it got me and yeah, there was an organizational mess, but, um, but the few volunteers that did show up and the racers that I met that had been doing these types of races for years and years, the dancing Panda crew and, and the like, um, really just a kind of a shining light of this is, this is what I've been looking for. I mean, I imagine it's similar to those that go out and experience multiple hundred mile races. There's this community that everyone understands everyone else. And, uh, that's, it it felt like family to a degree. So for what it's worth, dysfunctional family. But, yeah. Well, but that, that's
0: what it was. But since it's a family, how shall I delicately put this? <laughs> <laughs> no names, but is there the cousin in the family that you just, when they show up at the family reunion slash race, you're just like, oh, not that guy, because cause I don't, I don't know if I've run into anybody. You know, maybe, oh, it's him. Well, I don't have to deal with him. But I guess my point is there's a lot of nice people, and I haven't met very many that I don't want to hang out with. I'm trying to cause some controversy. <laughs> uh, you
1: picked the wrong person. I'm not a controversial person. I'm
0: not either. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious. Well, I, I would imagine I, somebody's run into somebody at one time. But then again, those people I'm probably don't gonna... stay in the sport.
1: I'm not going to say with all honesty that there isn't potential bad blood out there between racers or even yeah. myself and others, but there's no one out there that I would say, aha, I don't want to deal with this person at this race or I will absolutely never race with this person again. Yeah. Um, stuff happens during these events. Most of it's for the good. Some of it's for the bad. And, yeah. uh, I think it it's it's on us as athletes and as individuals and as humans to be able to look past that, the mistakes that are made or the errors in judgment or even the belligerent or, or intentional um decisions uh that come out of the sort of heat of the battle and of the lack of sleep or food or um when you get in that zone, and being able to step back and say, "Okay, outside of this scenario, <laughs> yeah, I don't dislike this person. Mm. Um, I don't. Yeah. There's no actual reason for me to to be at odds. So, yeah, sure. There's people that I won't necessarily go out of my way to associate with, but uh, there's no one that I'm.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm a beast. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: There you go. Let's give it. All right, let's go to the other side. Who's the uh, Who's the funnest person to run into on the course? That's not a teammate. Oh,
1: um. Well, I think one of them you've mentioned already.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I would. That's I, JD. Yeah. <laughs>
1: the guy is always fun to be around, no matter what. So racing up against head to head racing with and having a beer afterwards or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. great person to be with. Um, I am with the OR show departing Salt Lake here in the near future. Uh, I won't get the opportunity as often, but I've enjoyed the companionship that um, meeting up with Kyle. Peter has been able to sort of feed my desire and to be able to tour him through some of the wasatch and get some insights and and grow and bounce ideas off of each other i mean we're at different stages in life and his racing ability is beyond mine at the moment so um but not substantially so so it's just really interesting to to sort of challenge each other
0: and i would say kyle's kind of a is is to me is is a way more fun than you might than People might think he's definitely very <laughs> exactly. serious, but he's got that um, side to him as a uh, as the fact that him. I think he's enjoying his mooning me a lot when he's racing. So, <laughs> but
1: yeah, so yeah. So there's a number of individuals. There's there's people from my past that I wouldn't consider quote unquote elite athletes. That the joy of seeing them out on the course and them experiencing as much of it as they can and just bring in laughter and joy and silliness to the sport. And I, I could name hundreds of names, but yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Does Ian know things about you that your wife doesn't know?
1: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't section that stuff off and, and compartmentalize yeah. it, uh, or or worry too much about it. But
0: yeah.
1: I'm sure there
0: is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it is just there's something about being out there with people that, man, you're kind of, I don't want to say civil barriers, but uh, barriers go down in at three a.m. on day two, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, um, ask ask Ellen Kirkland about that next time you see her on a race course. We have a there's oh. a pretty good there's a pretty good story that's probably not safe for work and or podcasts. So, <laughs> um,
1: I think there's more than one of those out there.
0: Yeah, there's yeah what goes on the course stays on the course. Exactly. So,
1: Vegas of racing. So, exa-
0: yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, um, okay. How old are you?
1: How old am I? I am thirty-five. Okay. So I'm how starting long... into that mature part of racing, right?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> it is. But I'm just kind of saying, how long do you see yourself racing, and and could you see yourself, you know, when the kids get a little older, maybe taking a break and and, and coming back eleven years later? Um.
1: So, all good questions and very unknown answers, Um, but as an addictive personality, I have a hard time saying that I'm going to, quote-unquote, quit. Um, The the races have already been reduced in the number that I attend a year. I try to do one or two big ones. If that isn't going to work out budget or time-wise or family, then I'll sprinkle in uh, half a dozen smaller races and try to make satisfy the the desires um to be outside and adventuring um but as the kids get older i mean i've got well my oldest is turning nine this year so we're already starting to talk about okay when would you like to do your first race we even considered one last summer but so starting to get them into the 6 hour races uh, i mean I'm not going to push them there but yeah. if they're interested and they've expressed interest time and time again so we're we're feeding those those out, outside outdoor desires and heck, I mean if I'm still racing at some some level of competent ability in in another 10 15 20 years and and helping Guide them into the sport if they just so desire. Then that would make me a happy man, but a um, happy father anyway, proud yeah. <laughs> father. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't see any indications, health or otherwise, uh, health, career, or family that would drive me away from the sport in any permanence in the near future. So,
0: well, that's good. I mean, maybe that's the secret to growing adventure racers: is all the adventure racers keep racing until your kids are old enough.
1: That's right. You just got to take the cue from the Mormons and, uh, no.
0: What, what do you consider a successful race?
1: Boy, uh, a successful race is a race where you've given everything that you can within your team's ability, you've balanced, uh, and weighed all the options. I think you're always in almost every race you're going to come away with some regret of how could I have done this just a little bit better. Unless you've exceeded your expectation. If your expectation is top ten and you make that or exceed that, you're less hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of Primal Quest last year, we were just going to go as hard as we could and see what we could do, and we we're hoping for top five or better. And you know, getting on the podium was sweet. I mean, it wasn't unexpected, but it was a treat, Um, and so, um, sure, there was things, like you mentioned, it wasn't our cleanest race by any stretch, but um, you're less hard on yourself after the fact if a good quote-unquote result takes place, Um, but, you know, there's always little things, like, oh, I could have done this, or we should have, the strategy here or there, I mean, even a race that I did last summer um, where we, it's one of the only races in the recent past where I've DNF'd and and, uh, and the way the race was set up, we could have eliminated, self-eliminated a lot of checkpoints, taken some time penalties and made it to the finish line and a lot of the teams that quote-unquote won the race and made it a lot farther came in late and lost a ton of checkpoints based on their uh, their tardiness to the Mm -hmm. finish line we would have actually been in like the top maybe even on the podium just by playing it smart and playing to our skills and the fact that we were having a lackluster performance that day Um, but you know you just after the fact you're like why was I so insistent that we try to complete this entire course Uh, you know you just sometimes don't make good strategy decisions so
0: well i I, i've i've seen that in races where teams yeah they're like we're not we're not missing no checkpoints well we didn't finish the race but and they're fine with that you you know i think so i mean they made the decision so yeah, yeah it's you know that's part of the strategy
1: yep in our case uh It wasn't part of the strategy. It was just part of all the races I had done until this one in recent past had been point to point. You either finish the course or you don't. Yeah. And so the idea of selective or sort of navigational or um, optional checkpoints didn't really come into play in terms of losing a point, uh, not either a point or a time penalty for, I don't and even though yeah, I can go into a a rogue game style or an orienteering style event and do just fine doing that type of mindset, for some reason, to me again, maybe this plays back to that old school approach. Like the course is the course. I want to race the course. Um. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of well. That's kind of one of the big debates in our multinational multi-million dollar sport you know is you know (laughs) optional optional checkpoints you know what do you you know do you have them don't you have them it's got to be point to point so i think i don't think there's any any uh coming of the minds of that so maybe you don't do any races where there's optional checkpoints
1: (laughs) really hard and
0: no optional checkpoints and you'll be fine (laughs)
1: I have a limited supply. I'm only allowed to do one a year anyway, Randy, so...
0: Okay, okay. I'm going to, and you know how this goes, I'm going to ask you one more question and then there will be ten more, but what is it that you personally bring to the team?
1: Um see myself as a bit of a chameleon, whether it's this sport or anything else, Um, the adaptability of filling in the gaps. So uh, organizationally um, and the fact that I just sort of like to need to want to make sure all the bases are covered. I default to that captain role. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a relatively good navigator. So by default, I back up there. I'm a relatively strong person. So by default, I, Mule from time to time, mm-hmm. um, as needed. And, uh,
0: and I think the, the
1: best thing about this is like, uh, if you can't come out of the race as friends, it's really, that makes the, the race less enjoyable. So the ability to keep, um, the, to buoy the attitude or the, um, morale of the team through humor, through, Whatever the case may be, the positivity um, seems to be something I've been told uh, is part of my innate character. So I I'm rolling with it.
0: <laughs> well, it's it, it's kind of interesting because I I was going to kind of make the joke, are you the backup nurturer? But but I guess the real question the real question is, does that mean you can look at your team? Do you know when humor works or when? The kick in the butt works.
1: I'm getting better and better at that. Hey. But yes, um, that is the ability to sympathize or empathize and read people, um, mm. both in race and as I'm building any particular team now. I mean, I'm racing with Journey. I know that the select selection or pool of candidates and teammates that I'm racing with are of a certain caliber, so that's great. But I also have learned personality-wise, okay, I'm racing with this person, this person, this person. It's like, how am I going to best fit with this makeup and what can I bring to the team and how can I be the glue if necessary for this arrangement? Um, So, again, it's a lot of soft skill that doesn't have anything to do with my training and physical ability
0: could you have uh, done that role five years ago?
1: Mm, Not to the same degree uh, Mm. in terms of the person, personality, personability, whatever that that terminology is. Um, I've always had the innate sort of leader, captain quality um, by default, starting my own team, doing all that stuff. Mm. Um, And I guess a necessity to be, in control or at least know what's going on so because you're never in control during an adventure race
0: <laughs> that's true okay maybe the last question and this this is yep. a new question i've never asked anybody
1: um, <laughs> honored
0: <laughs> um and if it goes good i might ask other people so we're going to call this a death match race so you get to do one more race in your life with anybody you want but you can't race with anybody you've raced with before. So what race do you do, and who are your three teammates? Yeah, that's a pretty good one, isn't it? (laughs) That is tough. Um, (laughs) Again, I would say
1: it's probably time to travel to to New Zealand and get that that business sorted. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of if I've I've got to give up Ian and my navigation there, it would be – hard not to put uh chris forn on the team (laughs) and uh in terms of shoot other candidates um that i haven't raced with that i truly look up to um man i know she's not doing this kind of racing anymore but uh, if she was willing i'd put rebecca rush in the in for the female teammate and um, just because she's so strong all around and on bike and mentally tough and uh, can deal with pain and uh, man, a third teammate um, boy who's the best mule out there right now <laughs> come on help me out
2: <laughs> um, um,
1: actually I was really impressed and Again, as a, an additional navigator, additional captain, and just an overall strong athlete, um, and just really enjoyed the times that we interacted at the last primal quest. But uh, you know, I'd be honored to race with uh, Warren Bates. So uh, that's a, a fair that's conglomerate a, of people.
0: I think so. I I I like this game. I think maybe maybe I'll even uh, keep track. We'll yeah, who the...
1: That would be really interesting. You just build a little matrix out on your uh,
0: yeah.
1: on your website.
0: <laughs> well, I need to find a programmer because I, I what I really want to do is a uh, six degrees of separation to JD. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that would be great. <laughs> I would like
0: we get everybody to you know put down who they raced with, and then eventually we'd have it would be like the uh, CSI wall of strings and criminals, and I know he'd be right in the center. That's right. <laughs> so, so okay. I think that was my last question because I really like that one and go out on a high note. See, and now everybody else will good. have a chance to think about it if they bothered to listen. So, <laughs> so, um, right. cool. I like this one. I say that a lot because it's true. But
1: they're all good, right?
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to say every once in a while it's it. It's a little hard to get people to open up and, and and I'm not I don't think I'm that good of an interviewer that that if it's when it's those those and I and people probably know which ones they are, but this wasn't one of them. So, besides I got, dog, of I got a dog I got a dog staring at me. She wants to go banyo. so I guess we gotta go. All right, all right, so everybody, you know what the deal. Go fast, take chances. Thanks for the chat, Fletcher. You bet. All right, see we'll you. see you maybe before Primal Quest, maybe there.
1: All right, great.
0: All right, thanks. Take
1: care. Bye.
0: Bye. Are we ready? are rolling,
2: right? We're rolling. Uh-huh. Yo, in the place to be at about this time, DJ Jazzy Jeff and yours truly the Fresh Prince in the ham. We're about to... Style. Yo, Jazzy on the wheels, me on the M-I-C. But see, we got a couple new additions. We about to toss a little something new at you. We got Little John on the D-R-U-M-S getting busy. Ah, and on the keys, my man James. What you doing back there? Ah, yeah, so we about to do it a little something like this. All right, Jeff, back to the old school. Let's do it. All right, now I'm the Prince, and that's Jazzy Jeff. We've shown for years that we are deaf. But here's some more for y'all to just come get it. Rip the wheels, Jay. it. Yeah, we going back to the old school. You got DJ Jazzy Jeff on the wheels. Show the way it used to get done, Jazzy. Then rip it up a little bit. And then ain't going scratch, man. Make the boy refresh. Cause you know you don't. You never did it, man. The World Supreme DJ, DJ Jazzy Jeff. That's how I like it. Uh, that's how I like it. See, now a lot of other DJs came out trying to do what Jeff started, right? But Jeff is the man. He is the World Supreme. of all we'll the wheels. But now? I wanna rock right like now. Break that. it up for him, Jeff. time. Swift.